Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Black Gold Blabber podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to another uh, episode. If you're tuning in, thank you. Uh, just today's podcast, I just want to make about the um, about the Euros, uh, the first match days from, from all the groups. I don't want to go through all the matches, although knowing me, I probably will, but I just want to talk about some of the standouts, some of the good performances, um, team performances, and, and just basically headlines um, coming into the Euros. So I, I'm just going to start off with the first game, which was uh, Turkey against Italy um, at the Stadio Olimpico uh, in Italy. So obviously Italy, kind of the home team, but I think Turkey was the um, home team, so to say. Uh, and, you know, Italy asserted their dominance, 3-0. Um, I actually, I do the match predictor on, on the UEFA um app and I said 3-2 for Italy uh, because the point that I made was Italy or Turkey uh, they, they score quite a bit of goals but they also concede a lot uh, the back lines are not really that great um, so I thought that they were gonna concede quite a bit and they did three like I said um, but I also thought that they're gonna score a couple because um, Yermaz uh, was very good for Lille this season um, you know, they got Chalhanoglu pulling the strings there and he's, he plays in Italy. So I thought he'd show us a little something extra. He really wasn't anywhere to be seen. Um, so yeah. And, and going into, into the third match day, since the second match day was already played today, um, you know, Turkey is, uh, I guess all but, uh, eliminated while well, they can't finish in the top two, but they can advance as the second seed, but, or third seed, if they have, you know, enough points. But I think someone made a made a point on the on the uh, telecast that uh, no team with three points has ever gone through as a as a as a third seed. So that's something to keep kind of in the back of your mind um, as we go forward. But you know, all street comes to an end, so maybe three points could be enough. The thing that worries me is is just their goal differential. Uh, goal differential, it's it's at minus five, so they're gonna have to score uh, quite a bit against um, Switzerland, um, who's also been kind of disappointing, I guess, a loss and a tie, a draw, and then the first two matches, um, conceded, you know, in the last 15, 16 minutes to Wales, uh, today they, they, Italy puts three past them, so it's, it's been a little bit of a rough go for, uh, Switzerland going forward, um, the next game I want to talk about is, is, uh, Denmark and Finland, and, uh, before I start, you know, talking about the match, obviously what happened, Christian Eriksen, I'm going to say is I'm glad he's okay. Um, honestly, I'm glad he's alive because that didn't look too good. I've seen, you know, where players um, where where players go down like he did, but, you know, it, it's like a head-to-head with, with two players and, you know, a third player coming forward and trying to, you know, get him from swallowing his tongue. And I've seen a lot of that actually in the last year and a half to two. And, you know, the more I see it, the more I think to myself, man, one day this is going to go wrong. Um, and someone's not gonna, not gonna survive, unfortunately. Happy that Ericsson is okay, like I said. Um, they continued the match. I actually, when, when I did my prediction, I actually thought this was gonna be a draw. I thought it was gonna be 1-1, and it almost was if, if, um, Denmark didn't miss the PK, but obviously after the Ericsson injury, I, I don't even know how the players were out, were able to go out and play. Like, even me watching the match, I was like, man, this ain't it, and even the Belgium-Russia match, which was after that, like I watched it, but it wasn't the same. Um, and it's crazy how, you know, I'm so far from where the action is happening, but you're still shook up with what you saw on, on TV. 
Um, so the players that did credit to them for going out and, and performing, but uh, maybe the match shouldn't have or the, it should have taken place uh, a different day. Um, but and and that's a surprise result. Finland, I, th- I think, getting the three points was a bit of a surprise. Like I said, I, I had this as a draw. Um, Belgium three nil against uh, Russia, which maybe not, which isn't a surprise. They were in the same qualifying groups for these Euros, I believe, or it might they might be in the same qualifying group for the upcoming World Cup. But I think it was for for these Euros that they were in the same group. And in two matches, Belgium won by a combined score of seven two, and they win three nil. So handily, that's ten goals in three matches against Russia and only two conceded. So Belgium, and this is all without Kevin De Bruyne, and um, they had another player injured. Uh, Mounier came on and, and scored and, and did quite well, but um, Belgium looks like um, you know they're in fifth gear already in in just the um, the first match. The most interesting match I thought was Netherlands and Ukraine. Um, very very interesting. Netherlands go up two nil. Uh, Ukraine comes back with two goals in four minutes, and then Netherlands score a third and they win three two. Very very exciting match. Um, very back and forth. Uh, Ukraine has a really good team. Netherlands. I can't remember what I predicted predicted for this. I think I maybe took a draw. Uh, I wasn't too fond of Netherlands. Um, a lot of young players, and I don't th- like. I'm not a huge Memphis Depay fan. I think he's very selfish at times, and it's going to be interesting to see how he works out at Barcelona. Uh, but he can be selfish at times. It's going to be interesting to see how he works with Messi and some of those players there because they have a certain. Um, certain way that they play and how he fits into that, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, going forward. Uh, but Ukraine has a has a great team, and you know Netherlands could have scored. Uh, Dumfries, who who scored the third goal, had a chance in the first half where he had a header on the, um, I guess the goal, goalkeeper's left post, and he missed the entire net. Like if he just got it on net, it would have been a goal, and uh, you know. It, who knows what would have happened going on, but I mean, they still ended up getting the win. Um, Wijnaldum was outstanding, I thought, in the match. Um, Ukraine still, still alive, but a huge three points, I would say, for Netherlands. Ukraine have North Macedonia next um, tomorrow, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, they're going to need three points, obviously, and uh, Netherlands have Austria um, tomorrow as well. So we'll also see how that works out, Austria three points from, from the first match um, as well. Uh, England-Croatia, 1-0 to England. Um, maybe one of the more more boring games, I would say. Um, Sterling ended up getting the goal. There weren't too many chances. Um, Croatia is, is in an interesting place. They're kind of like the old... The, the, the team that they kind of had at the last World Cup um, and Euros, it, it's obviously much different now. No more Rakitic, no more Mandzukic. They got some young players coming up. Now the question is, can those young players fill in the boots of those um, retired players? That's that's going to be the ultimate question um, because they do have youngsters like Kovacic and, and Rebic and players who can step up, but will they step up? It's not always, you know, you could be a highly touted player and then, you know, you can never pan out. We see that all the time. Um but can they fill in those boots? Uh, and sometimes that doesn't work out. Uh, Livakovic is an outstanding goalkeeper. Um, I don't know if Dinamo Zagreb is going to sell him this summer. Uh, I don't know if his stock could get any higher, to tell you the truth. So even if they do sell him, you know, in the winter or, or 2022 summer, 
I don't know how much how much his price is going to go up, but he's an outstanding goalkeeper. He's someone to watch out when he you know finally gets out of the Croatian league because he will be playing for a big club. Uh, and they did. Dinamo Zagreb was outstanding in the um, Europa League, so that's another team to watch um, for and see if they could finally get it clicking. Uh, Czech Republic beat Scotland two nil. Uh, Patrick Schick with the outstanding goal from half almost. Um, and you know, Czech Republic has Croatia next, so that's a very that's not a gimme either for Croatia, and they're going to need those three points. Like I said, four points doesn't always even get you as the best third place team. So. You know, if Croatia could beat the Czechs and then Scotland in, in their last match, that's six points. That's going to be more than enough to go through. Whereas Czechs look at this, you know what? They have three points from the first match. If they could get a draw from this, that's four. You're thinking they're mo- most likely going to advance. And then if they could get anything from Eng- that England game, it's an even bigger bonus for them. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens in that match. And Scotland and England is going to be huge. Um, kind of a rivalry match. So if you're a neutral fan, that's one you want to watch. Um, for sure, it should be uh, a great matchup and uh, greatly contested. Um, one of the surprises, I guess, was that Spain-Sweden result, a nil-nil. Spain had something like 85% possession of the ball. They just couldn't get in the back of the net. Um, Morata had a few chances. He couldn't score. And, you know, questions are going to be asked because I don't think he's going to start in their next um, match. So they play Poland next. I'm not sure that he's going to start that. Um, will be interesting to see who they go with up top. But um, I'm not sure that he is going going to start uh, in that match because they do have other options. Um, th- th- I just thought in this match, watching it, I'm like, at some point they're going to score because I don't know if Sweden is going to be able to keep them out. Um for much longer Olsen Swedish goalkeeper man of the match he had a few really good stops but Sweden is a very experienced um, national team Uh, they've made six euros in a row I believe Uh, they've been to world cups they're very experienced like I said a lot of players who have been here before Um, and Alexander Isak who's an up-and-comer in the footballing game um, just didn't have much distribution to work with uh he plays for Real Sociedad, and he had an outstanding season. Uh, if they can just get him some distribution, I think that um, he'll show what he can do in, in the final third. And uh, credit to them. I mean, they kept Spain out. Spain was, you know, throwing shots at net, and it and, um, seems like Olsen was saving everything. And then Sweden has Slovakia next, and Slovakia beat Poland. So, um, you know, if they, if they need to get three points there, and then their final match, they got Poland, which they're going to need three points as well to to kind of solidify things and Spain has Poland and Poland struggled in that first match against Slovakia so um I I I think that Spain for everything that they missed uh in the match against um the match against Sweden I think they're gonna they're gonna make Poland pay that's just my that's just my prediction for for the next match and um and yeah um France and Germany. It was probably, not probably, it was the biggest match, I would say, of, of the first match day. And the only thing that sucks is the only goal that we saw was an own goal from Mats Hummels. Uh, I thought it was a great match. 
Conte and Pogba were outstanding in the midfield, like outstanding. Pogba is a completely different player when he plays for the national team versus um, Manchester United. Completely different player. Uh, and I just think he has more freedom playing with a guy like Conte. He has more freedom to do whatever the heck he wants, kind of like what he did at Juve. I think when he plays for Manchester United, there's there's too many... Uh, they ask for way too much of him, whether it's you're in the you're a defensive midfielder, so you have to be able to defend and you have to be able to, you know, to obviously link play and stuff like that, box to box midfielder. He doesn't have the attributes to play as either an attacking midfielder or a defensive midfielder. He needs to have a role where he can kind of roam around and do whatever the heck he wants. And I think Conte allows him to do that. And I think when he played for Juve in that system, that system allowed him to do that as well because he had guys like Pirlo there as well and Arturo Vidal. So, you know, whatever they couldn't do, he could do whatever and vice versa. Um, and yeah, I, I, this is a huge three points for France, first of all, because this was the game that everyone looked at as, you know, battle of the giants. And to be fair, the next round we have Portugal and Germany. So it's another battle of the giants. And then the third match day, we have Portugal and France, so another battle of the giants. And that's just what the group of death is. Uh, so, so France kind of, you think eased their way or made it, a lot easier for themselves picking up three points from a, a good de- or a really good German side. The thing that worries me about the Germans is they don't have a classic number nine. Mueller can play play there at times. It's not his position though. Serge Gnabry, it's not his position. Timo Werner had a tough season at at um, Chelsea. Not really his position. Well, it is his position. He just doesn't hasn't scored a lot this season. If they can have someone like Miroslav Klose, like they had for years, that would be great. But I don't. I just don't see, without a number nine, with a without a legit number nine, how they can go far in this tournament. I just don't see it. They might be able to do do it. I just don't see it right now. Spain was able to work with a false nine, but their entire squad was world class. That those four, five, six years, where they could have played with me as striker, and you know, still would have won something. Um, so it, it's a little bit different. Um, but for for Germany, I mean. You turn your focus to Portugal. Like I said, it's going to be a big match. They need a result. Uh, they need at least a point here, at least a point. And then you got to go beat Hungary by you know three or four goals. And speaking of Hungary, um, that match against Portugal was outstanding. You know, Portugal ends up winning three 0 but it was you know nil nil until the eighty fourth minute, where uh, Rafael Guerrero scored uh, a goal that kind of trickled in. And, you know, Gulachi was, was excellent in net as well for Hungary. And, you know, them playing at home was even more motivation. They get a goal, goal call back. Um, unfortunate. Would have been interesting to, how, to see how the game would have turned out if that goal had counted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they hung in as much as they can. And then Ronaldo scores two more goals and it's 3-0. And, you know, Santos had... Santos had um, Two really good substitutions. Um, Rafa Silva and Renato Sanchez. Renato Sanchez made a crazy run to, to that kind of... I believe it was for the for the Rafa uh, Silva PK, I, th- I think it was, where he kind of started from his own end and you know beat a bunch of dudes and, and ended up feeding Rafa Silva. And Rafa Silva gets you know, fouled in a penalty box and Ronaldo slots away the, the, the PK. Uh, but this is exact. If, if this had finished... Nil nil. This would have been a huge blow to Portugal because they had Germany and 
and France next. And I have Portugal winning the entire thing. Just I think they're very deep. I don't think you could go wrong with Portugal or France winning this because they're both very deep teams. They could probably field a second starting 11 and still make it hard for a lot of teams to, to beat them. But I think with Portugal, in the first match, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. Like Bernardo Silva, um, Bruno Fernandes, uh, obviously Ronaldo. On the bench, you got like Joao Felix, you got Rafa Silva, you got Andre Silva, you got all these guys. Um, and one thing I will mention, that that midfield pair of Danilo and, and William Carvalho, outstanding. And they're going to need those, they're going to need that performance against a team like France who are going to throw Conte and Pogba at you. Like they're going to need those performances. Whichever midfield is better in that in that Portugal-France game, that's the team that's going to win that match. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be about the goal scoring. It's going to be about who wins the midfield battle. Is it going to be Pogba and Conte or is it going to be, you know, William Carvalho and Danilo? Because I was very impressed. I was more impressed with Danilo and William Carvalho probably than anyone else on the pitch. Um, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, I believe, won man of the match for his two goals, but I thought that midfield was outstanding. And I'm eager to see how they play against Germany. I'm talking about the Portuguese um, midfield, and then obviously France in their in their last game. Um, so some of the, the the players that have stood out, I think, I think Locatelli for Italy. Even I don't want to touch on the second match day, but. I know he scored two goals today, but he was, I thought he was really good in that first match. Barella was outstanding as well. Um, you have, you have Immobile, you have Insigne. Their pressure on the ball is outstanding. I'm not going to say that they're going to win it, but they have a really good chance at going really far if they can keep this going. The thing is, how will their midfield of Locatelli and, and Barella and Jorginho fare when they play, um, a much more experienced midfield. So like the like the Francis, the Portuguese, teams like that. How will they do when they have to face uh those teams going forward? Uh and that's that's something that I think to keep an eye on, um, kind of going forward and to see how they adjust, adapt and stuff like that. Um who else can I talk about here? I think that I think the checks kind of surprised me. I didn't I didn't think that that Scotland match would would go the way it did. Um, I thought I thought a draw could possibly happen, um, and I thought Scotland would come out blazing as well. But they kind of did to tell you the truth. They had to if, if Robertson put out put away that that chance that he had early. I think it would have been a different different game. Um, and then you know Schick scores right before halftime, and then right after halftime, and that kind of. You know, um, they just won the game there. Um, Calvin Phillips for, for England, I thought, was outstanding in that match against Croatia. I didn't have him penciled in starting. I don't think a lot of people did. But I thought him and Declan Rice were, were great in that midfield. We'll see if that's the midfield that Southgate does use. Um, something I noticed, San, uh, Jaden Sancho wasn't even on the bench for the match. I know like you kind of rotate players and stuff like that. But if... I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird that he wasn't um, on the bench. I don't think there was an injury or anything like that. Um, Spain. I, I wasn't... Uh, the possession is there, but they could have problems scoring just like Germany, I think, will have. And that's kind of worrisome for me as well. I think their back line's pretty good. 
midfield's really good. And then, then the scoring is kind of like a question mark because it's it's Morata and a, it's a bunch of guys who don't really have too many caps. Um, so, so I think that's something to, to kind of focus on um, going forward. I'm not saying they're not going to advance, but I don't know if they're going to get to the quarterfinal stage, depending on how the matchups work out in the round of 16. Um, we'll see what happens in the quarterfinals and who they draw, and even if they get that far. Um, but I think there are some things that they they kind of have to work on um, going forward. And the last thing I want to talk about is just that group of death. Like we're gonna have we're gonna have a clearer picture of what's what it's going to look like on June nineteenth because that's the next match day. So Hungary versus France, and then Portugal versus Germany. I think France is is going to beat Hungary. Um, that that Portugal and Germany match is going to be interesting because Germany need the points. Portugal have three, but it's, I would, I would go a little bit more offensive against Germany. And then that last match against France, depending on what they get out of the Germany match, um, Portugal, that is like, we're going to, I would go, I would go a little bit, I would play the way that they played against Hungary in that Germany match. And if you get a good result, then you kind of, you know, lay back a little bit against France. You don't, I don't, I wouldn't show my cards too much against France. if They're already guaranteed, you know, progression to the next stage because you could possibly, I mean, yeah, you could possibly meet later on in the, in the semis or finals, again, depending on how the matchups work out and things like that. But um, yeah, this next match day is really going to tell us a lot. And I think, like I said, with Portugal in the first match, um, they're gonna need uh, they're gonna need all three points, uh, France against against Hungary, because, like I said, this has to be the team that all the other three really beat, and they kind of work up uh, their goal differential. So Portugal did it in the first game, even though they scored a lot of the goals goals late. They did it in the first game. France is going to have to do it in the second game, and then Germany is going to have to do it in the final game. And obviously, the, I, the Germany-Hungary match is going to mean a lot because it, it's going to have to determine something. Um, it, it it just is whether Germany qualifies as the as the third place team or second or whatever the case may be. And um, Romelu Lukaku, two goals, keeping the same form as he did with Inter Milan. He's having an outstanding year. I think a lot of people wrote him off when he went to Inter Milan. I think I did too, kind of. Not that Inter Milan isn't a big club, because they are, but I just kind of like, oh, from Manchester United to Inter Milan, that's interesting. And I think we just all, in our minds, had it, Juventus winning it again, just because they've won it so many years in a row, where we're like, well, he's going to go there, he's going to score a lot of goals, but he's probably not going to win anything. And then Inter Milan come, and they dust everyone, and they win uh, the Scudetto. We, congratulations to them, because they fully deserved it. Um, and it took full advantage of Juventus struggling. Um, this past season. Um, but yeah, Belgium is a scary team. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is available for selection tomorrow, uh, from what I'm hearing. Uh, so, so it's going to be interesting. They have some injuries too. Um, so yeah, that's it for, for match day one. Uh, I plan on doing this for end of match day two, I guess. So like around the 18th, 19th, whenever the next match day is, whenever it finishes. And, um, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys then. Take care.